Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. This morning we are going to continue on. Continue. We're starting a series called uh, Why Not Me? Now, I like this question. I believe, maybe not in this exact form, uh, but the, in the heart of this question is something that we ask regularly uh, in the depths of our souls when it comes to certain things. Now, some of those things might be trivial. Some of those things might be more important. Um, but it is one of those questions that can either be uh, faith-based or, or, or found in fear or comparison. And, and I say that because think about how many times you've asked that question, why not me? Now, I'm not talking about like um, little things like, or oh, why not me? How come I didn't get to go down the slide first? Uh, I mean, like I'm talking about like when you see somebody and they're like, well, why, why don't I have a good job? Like, why don't I have that job? Why don't I have that successful promotion? That guy's completely useless. How did he get there? I can do his job with my eyes shut, the hands tied behind my back. Why not me? Why, why don't I have what looks like a healthy marriage? Why don't I have all the friends? Or why aren't I popular? Why not me? Why don't I have all the money that I need to reach all my dreams? Because money allows you to do that, right? Why not me? But then you can also ask the question the same way, but with a posture of faith where you're like, well, why not me? Why can't I do that? Why can't I have a go? In Australia, we have a say, just have a go. Give it a go. Have a dig. Just have, a, have a go at that. See how you go. If you get it wrong, yeah, she'll be right. It is one of our national postures, really it is. Maybe it's a Southern Hemisphere thing where we're just like, oh, have a go. If you get it wrong, just run. <laughs> just don't let anyone see, you'll be fine. But why not me? Why can't I do that? Why can't I win? I don't know if anyone's been paying attention to World Cup rugby. I know I've got a friend down the back that has been. But South Africa won the World Cup for the third time in rugby. Talk about a team that came in with no one believing in them. Honestly, I was like, how did they even make the final, let alone win it? But obviously, at some point, they've said, hey, what about us? Yeah. We can do this. doesn't matter if no one's betting on us or the bookies have ridden us off. We can win. Australia went in there saying, we can do this, and we got smashed. So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. We're all sorry. You know, one of the most common statements that I've encountered since moving to Canada and telling our story is when I share our story of faith and what God had placed in our heart and the journey of, of what has become Avant Life, I get this response, wow, the faith that you and Emma and the team had to come over here and take that step of faith, and I wish I could have that faith. And I'm like, wow, what about me attitude, right? That's really what you're saying is like, oh, I wish I could have done that. But the weirdness in that whole scenario is that we get asked by God day in, day out to do things, and we just don't do it. We either, we either ignore it or it's too hard, and then we wonder why after failing the whole equation that it equals something we didn't want. 
And then we go, well, what about me? Well, I'm here this morning to encourage you, not to make you feel down about yourself, uh, that there is a way out of this. And, and we're going to continue the conversation next, next week in a particular topic um, and focus in on that. But this morning, I really want to just sort of take it back to basics. Now, I'm not sure how long you've been coming to church for. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you grew up in church and all this stuff will be uh, like a reminder to you. Uh, maybe you've been coming to church your whole life and you've just never been listening um, but I'm telling you this morning, if we just pay attention to what God is saying in these simple concepts, it'll begin to shift and change your life. Christians suffer from what I call as a calling creep. It's when we slowly creep away from our calling and we get distracted. Or the tax man would call it the clawback, right? They've come to take back what is yours. And, and we, after, you know, that whole concept of wheel alignment, um, I was watching, I don't know how I ended up watching this, uh, but I was on Instagram, and there's this guy on Instagram that just like shoots things, like just targets, not people. And um, he's just really good at it, right? And like he makes something like a, a handgun. I'm like, we shouldn't show this to kids. Like kids have access to this. But I'm like, anyway, I'm watching this. And he was talking he's, this guy through about, um, you know, just taking a shot. And this guy would, they would pull the trigger, but there's no bullets in the gun. And he's and his arm wouldn't move because he's anticipating no recoil because no, he knows there's no bullets in there, right? And then the guy tricks him and puts a bullet in one of the magazines and the guy shoots and he hits the target perfectly and it's great. But then he thinks there's another bullet and he anticipates a recoil that's not there. There's no other bullet and, and he gets the shot wrong in the sense that his arm moves. He's not perfect. And the guy makes this statement at five feet, if you anticipate recoil and there's no recoil, or you don't anticipate the recoil properly, you go from having a perfect shot to a slightly off the perfect dot shot, maybe a few millimetres you know, south of the target. He says, but if you take that distance to back to 20 feet and you have the same exercise, that shot no longer is off by a few millimetres. He said, you're shooting people in the legs. And he, obviously he's training um, you know, defence people. Um, uh, and, and I thought to myself, this is how Christianity works, right? We, we have it all together and we figure it out, we know Christ, but then we begin to anticipate things that are not of him. And we begin to take, you know, we allow fear to come in and so and we, we start to operate incorrectly and when we were hitting the target at five feet, when we're further back, we begin to really miss it and our margin begins to get worse. And then we wonder, right? We're praying and we're believing and, um, and I just, I struggle Maybe this is just me, but I struggle with that idea that if I pray and nothing happens, that the, there's something wrong either with how I've prayed or, or God's put me in this season that he doesn't want to answer me right now. I, I, don't, I don't really subscribe that God doesn't want to answer me right now. And, and usually what's happening is, is that I'm saying the right words in my prayer. I'm just not positioning myself in the right manner to actually receive the answer that God's trying to give me. So my prayer is more of a therapy prayer and we're hoping that God answers. But really all we're doing is getting off our chest what's concerning us. But we, we have no real conduit for change. Who's ever been in there before where you, you're just praying because either that's how you've been taught or you're praying because you're scared? That's not bad to pray when you're scared, by the way. Um, but I'm talking about as a Christian, we're going to talk about three things right now as believers that we need to make sure that these things define us as Christians. Why not me? The difference between a faith-charged, 
concept of why not me and a fear charge concept of why not me or a comparative charge is the, the definition of how we choose to define ourselves. Now, Jesus came and he gave us multiple definitions and they all point back to the love of Christ. But this morning, we're going to talk about three very clear definitions. And I say we're going back to basics because we're taught this. And you, if you haven't been taught this, you know, my heart is that one, you should have been taught this. But guess what? You get to taught this this morning. It's going to be great. God obviously knew. But Three topics, three, three titles that God has given us now that Christ has come. He has taken our sins, he's died, he's been resurrected, and we're living in resurrection power. So the first one is this. Uh, you are a new creation once you've said yes to Jesus. Turn to the person next to you, look at them and say, I am a new creation. Oh, yeah, that's always an awkward task, right? Because there's always one or two people who turn to no one. They're like, uh-uh. I'm a new creation. <laughs> it always tends to be me when I'm in the crowd. You are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming or have become new. People crave for new things every day. I was saying in the 9 a.m. service, if you want a new face, you can go get it. How weird is that? Since when? I think this is the only generation we've lived in. It's like, I don't like my face. Go change it. Don't like your teeth? You can either fix them or get new ones. How weird is I've talked to people like, these aren't my teeth. I'm like, they look real. They're like, yeah, they just grind them back to stubs and put fake teeth on. I'm like, that is weird. You want new teeth? You can get them. Want a new car? Don't have the money? Don't worry. New credit card, new car. Anything you want in this world, new, you can do. That just, new gender, no worries. Fix that for you. Be whatever you want. There's a problem with this, is that in the constant pursuit of new, through earthly means, through the human condition, we're only trying to satisfy what we can't satisfy, and that, that we currently, outside of Christ, live in a broken form of what we're meant to be. And so when Jesus came and when Paul writes, you're a new creation, he doesn't say you're improved. He doesn't say you're repaired. He says you're new. Only the creator can recreate something brand new. You can't do that. You can't change it. You can't change yourself from the inside out. New gadgets, better education, more research, more money. This won't give you the abundant, fulfilling life that you so pursue, that hole that's in your heart. See, we need a change of heart. Uh, you look at the, the news today, everything that's it's violence or it's, it's crime or it's, it's something depressing or fear-mongering. And we look at ourselves and we wonder, you know, what is this condition that is plaguing the earth? And the reality is it's just, the Bible just calls it pure evil. Now, we don't like to talk about this as much or as regularly as we used to, and I'm pretty happy that we don't. But every once in a while, we do need to stop and actually make this observation or make this statement. And the Bible makes it very clear. God echoes it through time. As humans, we are, we are instinctively evil. Now, I'm not talking about we're all murderers, though there is statistics. It's weird that in your lifetime you're going to walk past 10 people that have murdered someone and you didn't know. How weird is that? That freaks me out. Now, obviously, 
it's not confession time, but just fill out a prayer card. Just help a brother out here. All I'm saying is we're not, we're not like that level evil. When the Bible says that we're instinctively evil, he's saying that when we're in strife, when we're motivated by something, we will always lean towards self-preservation. So I say that like this, like I know for the fact that most of us probably wouldn't kill anyone. We'd be like, no way, I wouldn't murder anything. But in the right environment, yeah, right circumstances, right feelings, maybe you're angry, maybe you're feeling rage, maybe a loved one's threatened. Would you? Or maybe I don't steal Pastor Ben at all. Some of the boys here is like, I steal hearts. This reminds me of the old. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Colin, everybody. (laughs) I don't steal, but wait, maybe, maybe not in this current scenario where everything's okay. But what if you couldn't feed your kids? What if you were starving? What if, you, what if you envied something so much, like, let's say I so wanted the, you know, the iPhone, the 11 you know, Pro, and I'm never going to afford it, but someone's left it. Oh, they're not coming back. Just turn it off straight away so finding a phone doesn't work. What would you do? And I know for most of us, we're like, oh, I wouldn't take the phone. I get it. I'm being trivial in that. But I know for, the, for the, every one of us here, there is a perfect storm, and the Bible says it, that we would fall short of the glory of God. That's just the reality. And so when we talk about new creation, I look at this world, and God is saying, in and through Jesus, I didn't come here to mend you. I didn't come here to repair you. I didn't even come here to improve you. I came here to make you new. As a Christian, as a believer, and I'm talking about believers this morning, you need to understand in Jesus, you are a new creation. You need to wake up every morning and say, I'm new. My past does not haunt me anymore. It doesn't define my future anymore. Yeah, I stuffed up. Yeah, I got it wrong. Yeah, I made mistakes. Yes, I sinned against God. But because of Jesus, I'm set free by the blood of the Lamb. I'm a new creation. Do you wake up in the morning and say, hey, as God is a new creation, I want to do something new for you. This morning, I want to do something different for you. I don't want to be defined by who I was. These are powerful prayers. Uh, you know, I look at Ezekiel the prophet, and he, he makes this statement. And I honestly believe that if we just took this thought and lived it as a new creation, things would change. He says, "I will." As the, he said. God told Ezekiel this, sir, I'm stammering over my words. He said, I'll give you a new heart and put in you a new spirit. I will give you a new heart and place, put, dig right down in the deep of your soul a new spirit. I said this in the first service, and, and I really do believe it. If as Christians we acted like a new creation, set apart a new breed, we'd be attractive people. But after a while, this creep begins to happen, Right? And we start to lose focus. And we no longer act like a new creation. We, we go back to our old selves. Galatians 5 says, it's for freedom's sake that Jesus Christ came 
and set us free. Don't go back to your old yoke, your slavery within sin. A new creation doesn't mean you believe in salvation but live your old life. That's not what it means. See, many of us believe in salvation but we don't live saved. Because if you live saved, you'd understand the transformation from the inside out. You'd understand what access to life you have. You wouldn't go back to the toxic, poisonous, death-filled ways of your past. Who would go back to that? Why would you dwell in that? That's why Paul says in Galatians, don't put on that yoke again. That doesn't make sense. Live in the freedom also requires you to own it, to understand it, and to protect it. Don't live in your past. Don't live in regrets. Don't live in guilt. Don't live with, I should have done that, I should have done this. You need to know this morning that the caterpillar that's transformed into a butterfly will never crawl again. So why do we? Why do we grovel when we're made kings and queens? Why do we sell our birthright? so that we could be put on chains again. You're a new creation set apart. So when we say, why not me? You should, you should say this with the lens that my mistakes of my past don't define what I can achieve moving forward. Why not me? The next one I want to talk about is you're more than a conqueror. I woke up this morning um, really early. Anyone wake up really early this morning? Time change mess you up, messed me up. I was like awake at 5 a.m., but like awake, wake. You know what I'm talking about when you're like, oh, I could do anything right now. <laughs> I could go for a run right now. Do you know that type of wake? It's, it's actually, it's, it's deceiving you. You shouldn't go for a run at 5 a.m. <laughs> so I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm just going through my notes. And those of us who have been church in a while, you'd know this song. This song pops into my head. This is my childhood. It's like, I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. All things have passed away. I'll be born again. More than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. I'm singing this in the morning. I'm like, come on. Hillsong got nothing on that. <laughs> well, they did the doxology this time. Maybe they'll do that next time. <laughs> I'm just singing this in the morning. Do you know what? I, in my whole childhood, I used to sit in prayer meetings, and my dad used to do a lot of prayer meetings. And, and every time I'd hear this, well, God, we're the head and not the tail. We're more than conquerors. We come from a position of victory, not searching for victory. And, and they're praying. These adults were praying this. And, and sometimes as a child and even as a teenager and as a young adult and even as an adult, we begin to say this stuff just because it's what you say, but we don't live it. So what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? Think about that terminology, more than a conqueror. What is more than a conqueror? Is there anything more? Colin, you've been conquering hearts since, what? (laughs) I love that Colin's here today. Romans 8, 37, 39 says this, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, 
Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future or any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, if you are a believer this morning and you need a little bit of a, like a pick-me-up, read that every morning. Just get that into your DNA every morning. Feed off that in the morning because you need to understand there is nothing in this world, nothing created can separate you from the life, fulfillment, promise, and destiny that we have found in and through Jesus Christ and His love. This should make us formidable people in this world. I shared this, and and I really, if you've never been to our journey sessions, uh, which is all about finding out who we are, what we do, and how we do it here at Avant Life, can I encourage you to register for our next journey session? Because we talk about what does Avant Life mean? One, it's just one of those names that everyone asks, what does that even mean? Two, that's a good thing, because then everyone asks. But if you've never been told what Avant Life means and the heart behind it, you know, when, when Emma and I came up and believed that God had given this church this name, it's a prophetic name that believes that as the avant-garde or the vanguard, you would be before. You'd go before. You'd be cutting edge. You'd be the first to arrive, the first to think about. You'd be the new, the fresh, forever advancing life in Christ, avant life. And what I love about that is that have you ever been in a position where everything is going well. Or, for instance, those who have saved $10,000 versus those who have saved $10 are going to be better savers moving forward. Because once you've saved a considerable amount of money, you see what you've done and achieved, and you, you don't want to risk that. You don't want to blatantly or just throw it away for no reason. And so if you've only got $10 in your savings, however, the hard thing that you have to suffer or have to get through is that for $10... You can spend that at Subway and hopefully save $10 next week, right? It's just so easy to make that equation. And then you're always behind the eight ball. But once you get past that threshold where you start realizing you've got something of value here, you've saved something, you've invested something, you're ahead, you start making better, or you should, more likely making better decisions in your finance. You've learned how to save, not spend. So you've broken a bad habit. And now in your saving, you've learned how to invest. And it's the same when it comes to your life as a conqueror. It's so much easier to make decisions when you're not afraid, when you're not riddled with anxiety or stress or fear. Where I know as believers, a lot of our stress comes from knowing what God wants us to do and knowing what we are doing and the difference. Ever, anyone ever felt godly anxiety? <laughs> You're like, oh, I know I shouldn't be doing this right now. Oh, I know God asked me to do this. See, when we're more than conquerors, we've reconciled our will to His. It's no longer us but Him. That's what makes us more than conquerors. We can't take this scripture verse and go, well, I can do whatever I want because I'm more than a conqueror. It's not what it means. It means when you align, when you reconcile your will to him and he's in charge and he's in control and you're following him obediently, then you start to access the authority and the power. You know, when I was uh, going through church as a young adult, week in, week out, I love Jesus. I grew up in the church. I didn't really have a testimony that left that bad and came back. I was pretty good. 
But I'd go to church faithfully and then know my faith walk was pretty pathetic. I wasn't doing much. And it would, it would destroy me on the inside when I wanted all these things that the scripture says I had access to, but I wasn't living a life that could inherit it. And see, the only difference here, and we can be like, well, isn't God the God of grace? Yeah, it's grace that I have access to it, but he can't make me walk through the door. The door is open for us. We have access to this authority. We have access to this life of being more than a conqueror. But it's, it's our decision not to go there and inherit it. It's our decision to stay where we are. And then we wonder when we pray why we don't have any form of power behind our words. And any form that we do have is just God's grace. When I started to take my relationship with Jesus from being something that was more social and more family-based to something more personal, things started to shift. To be more than a conqueror means this. It means that before you ever get a problem, you already know that whatever the problem comes your way, you can overcome it through Christ. You live with confidence that God loves you no matter what, and he'll never leave you, nor will he forsake you. That's what more than a conqueror means. How do you live with that confidence, bud? How do you actually find yourself there? I'm going to be really honest with you, and I'm not here to offend you, but sometimes I like it. Just because I like to see, like, yeah, it's good. Sometimes it's good. That's why the Bible says, I'm going to be honest with you, it says rod and staff, but there's a rod there. The rod's offensive. Have you ever been hit by a rod? <laughs> South Africa, you got hit by a rod, hey. Same. Australia, rods. Canada, Candy, cotton candy. Right, am I right? Am I wrong? Is it like, yeah? My dad, I told someone, I love my dad, he's mellowed now, but the kettle cord wasn't off limits. <laughs> Everyone's like, what's a kettle cord? <laughs> I'm like, well, kettles never used to be wireless, right? Like, they had a plug. Just unplug it. If you're not living a more than conqueror life, it's probably because you don't know Jesus well enough. Deal with it. And if you're offended by that, I'm sorry, but the best news is you can change it. Jesus has opened that door for you. You're not experiencing the fullness of his promise? That's not him. It's all, you know, the word says he'll never leave or forsake us. Then what's the, what's the problem with the equation? probably us. Now, it doesn't mean you're not getting into heaven. Don't get me wrong. It just means you're going to have a really hard time here on earth. That's just the difference. Heaven's, it's picked. We're good. But don't you want to live a life that's a bit formidable? Don't you want to know that your calling's not made out of glass, but a bit of a wrecking ball for the kingdom? Don't you want to know that anything that comes up against you should be afraid of you for what is inside you? The Word of God says that greater is he that is living in me than he who is in the world. That tells me that I have an unmovable, unstoppable force inside of me. I should swing my calling around a bit. But we don't. Why don't we do it? Because we haven't understood completely. We don't know Jesus well enough. We're still convert. We're not disciple yet. We accept his salvation, but we haven't made him Lord yet. So, how do we become more than conquerors? 
really easy. You need to get to know Jesus. And how do you do that? Yes, Sunday services are great. Catching up with your mates are great. But at some point, you need to sit down, get yourself a devotional, or just sit down and open the Bible and begin to read and begin to ask the questions and begin to pray. You should get up every morning and go, I want to be more than a conqueror. How do you start your day? In Australia, we have this, this cereal called Wheat Bix. Do you have it here? Yeah. yeah. Wheat Bix. We say it's the cereal for champions. How many Wheat Bix did you have this morning? How many spiritual Wheat Bix did you have? You run out of energy by 9 a.m.? Didn't eat your Wheat Bix. You got to get to know Jesus. Every person who has confessed that Jesus Christ is their Lord and has repented of sin and gives their heart to God, is a child of God and belongs to Him. This is the best part. Christ has made us right with God. It's His righteousness. It's His power. It's Him that allows us to live upright. So if you're struggling with the whole concept of living a principled life, It's probably because you're not living it through Christ. Because we already know by the Old Testament that if we do it in our own strength, we're going to fail. We're going to get it wrong. We're going to fall short of the glory. But, But Jesus came so that we could get it right, so that we could achieve what was unachievable. So we've got, uh, why not me, new creation? Why not me, more than a conqueror? You need to read your Bible. It's, it's not rocket science. You need to read it. You need to get into it. If you're struggling understanding it, we've got books and programs that we can walk alongside you with to help you unlock the Bible. But what you can't do is say that your relationship with Jesus is in the, 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 the just this, you know, our feelings and it's all great, it's awesome. That doesn't work. He says, you'll know me by... How are you going to know him? You're going to hear his word? You're going to read his word? You're going to be found in his word? He says, as you read my, he says, as you read my word and draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So we know to draw near to God, draw near to Christ is through his word. So anyone here who thinks you can just do it with feelings, uh, you're going to feel a lot of pain. Feelings are fleeting. Principles lead to promise. Think about that. How many of us make decisions based on feeling and not principle? That's the whole way the world operates. I feel this way. I feel that way. No, the Bible doesn't say it's by the feelings of God. It's by the principles of God. Principles are unshakable. The principle of gravity. Do you believe in it? Yeah. If you didn't, does it change that it exists? No. It's still there. It's the same with God. The fact you believe in it or not doesn't stop the principles of God operating in this world. So when you do believe it, when you do align your life in it, all of a sudden you're taking the ladders in life and not the snakes. Everyone loves to win. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. See, when you make mistakes, and this is what I need you to understand, and you haven't fortified your life in Christ, the enemy loves you. Because now he has free access. He'll come and have these discussions with you. And he begins to bring guilt and condemnation. He begins to start saying, hey, you made a mistake. You got it wrong. I love the imagery that the devil is the great accuser. So if you've ever felt like you've been accused by somebody, 
There's even greater accuser out there. His name is the devil. And he sits and he accuses you of your faults and your shame and your sins. And he brings your past up. Anyone hate those people? And I'm sorry, I shouldn't say hate, but sometimes that's how you feel. Then they bring something up from your past that has been forgotten, forgiven, and dealt with, but they bring it up. Ever had a friend that does that? Do you want to stay friends with that person for long? If they keep doing it, do you want to? No. But that's what the enemy does. Yet we still we somehow make him our best friend day in, day out. We hang out with him instead of hanging out with Jesus. And the Bible says that as he accuses, Jesus stands there and he defends us. He says, yeah, they did make mistakes, but because of my love, because of my sacrifice, and because of what I've done for them, they're now covered, they're hidden inside of me, and my righteousness now is imputed onto them, and so you must read me and not them. Oh, I love that image. It's not what we've done. It's never what we could have done. It's always what Jesus has done. Why not me? You're a new creation once you say yes to Jesus, and once you understand him and allow him to take over, you become more than a conqueror. And the last point is this, and this is what we're going to focus in next week on, but once you become a new creation, once you become more than a conqueror, your real job is to become Christ's ambassador. There is nothing more attractive than somebody who knows who they are and whose they are. There is nothing more attractive than someone who is steadfast in what they're doing in life. Nothing is more certified, more solid, and more guaranteed of giving you a proper purpose and definition than the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you wake up every morning knowing that, then you are privileged in this world. Because so many people don't wake up understanding the promises of God on their life. But the Bible says that we're His ambassadors. We're to make His name known. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 21 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. I love that. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And though God, so as though God was making his appeal through us, we're the vessel. Just like Emma said to Michael, we're the the megaphone. It's through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Come on, church. That is our mandate this morning. We are Christ's ambassadors. He wants us to have the revelation of new creation. So when we say, why not me? We're not hindered by our past. He wants us to understand that we're more than conquerors. So when we ask, why not me? We realize that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Why? So at the end of the day, we would be Christ's ambassadors. So when we say, why not me? We can actually say, if not me. If not me, who's going to love North Vancouver? If not me, who is going to be the one praying for my friends and my family? If not me. Who's going to meet the needs of this city? If not us, who will go? The Word of the Lord says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are a few. The need is there, 
But those walking, those saying, if not me, why not me? Those answering the call aren't coming. But I love it because the writer says, just pray to, God says, Lord, Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he would push out the harvest. It doesn't, doesn't sound like you're like totally on board with that, right? Get it. Would you stand with me this morning? You are Christ's ambassador. Now, like I said, we're going to go into detail next week what that means. But think about an ambassador. The ambassador speaks on behalf of someone, carries the authority on behalf of somebody, and represents the principles. So when the Canadian ambassador turns up at the UN and doesn't like another nation's treating of human rights, what is that ambassador reflecting? They're reflecting the heart of Canada, aren't they? Because Canada wants to see human rights protected, that every life has a value. And so when the ambassador goes to the United Nations or goes to another country, their job is to echo the heart and sentiment and the authority and representation of who is sending them. You're an ambassador for Christ. You have a responsibility. The Bible says that they will hear his goodness through us. I'm going to tell you this story. It says, late one night, a salesman drove into a strange city and tried to get a room in a hotel. The clerk informed him that there was no vacancy. Disappointed, he started to leave the lobby when when a dignified gentleman offered to share his room with him. Gratefully, the traveler accepted his kindness. Just before retiring, the man who had shown such hospitality knelt and prayed aloud. In his petition, he referred to the stranger by name and asked the Lord to bless him. Upon awakening the next morning, he told the guest it was his habit to read the Bible and commune with God at the beginning of each day. And he asked if he would join him. The Holy Spirit began speaking to the heart of the salesman. And when he was uh, tactfully confronted by his host with the claims of Christ, he gladly accepted Jesus as his Savior. As the two were ready to part, they exchanged business cards. The new believer was amazed to read, William Jennings Bryan, United States Secretary of State. You see, William Jennings Bryan was not only the Secretary of State for the United States under Woodrow Wilson, more importantly, he was the ambassador for Christ in that moment. Once you were saved, you were transformed into a new creation and you were given a new mission. You're more than a conqueror, so you should achieve this mission. And in this mission, you were to become Christ's ambassador. J. Dwight Pentecost states in his book, Designed to Be Like Him, there can be no higher goal, there can be no higher ambition, there can be no higher purpose than that which the Word of God puts before us as the chief end of the child of God to glorify God. The greatest goal in the believer's life is not his own enjoyment of his salvation. His highest goal is, to, is not learning the truths of Scripture, nor even teaching or preaching the Word. His greatest goal is to live Jesus Christ so that every man and woman may know the Father. To live Jesus Christ. Not read about Him only. Not only worship Him only. To live Him. To be His hands. To be His feet. If I don't go, who goes? If I don't love, who, if you don't pray, who prays? Who does it? We live in a world that someone else will do it. If you don't share your faith, then who will?
Church, we're going to worship now. But why not us? Why can't we be the church that shakes the bedrock of society in Canada? Why not Avant Life? Why can't we be the church that begins to stitch back the fibers of such a dis, dis, uh, unified culture and country? Why can't we be the church that begins to echo the goodness of God through every hall in parliament and every hall in schools and every halls in, in hospitals? Why can't that be us? I look at it and go, why not? Well, there's not enough of us. Hey, the Bible says one or two. That's all I need. Give me one or two. Bring them together. Watch me shift everything you thought impossible to possibility. Church, in Galatians 2, 20, 21, before we worship, I want to leave you with this scripture verse. Paul writes this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. My hope for us as a church, my hope for you as an individual, is that we would stop answering this question through our own ability, but we'd start answering this question through Christ's ability, through what He's given us. He's given us a new life. He's given us all the weapons on heaven and earth to overcome the enemy. And it's found in the name of Jesus. And he's given us purpose. And that's to be an ambassador, to bring hope, to bring life, to bring freedom to a hurting, broken city, country, world. This is our job. And it's one we should pick up with excitement, not with hesitation. So as we worship, I really do believe the Holy Spirit wants to begin to speak to us individually about calling us out into a season of new creation, a season of more than conquerors, a season of ambassadors. So when we get the question, why not me? We're coming from faith, not fear. Let's go, church. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.